Oh, hello there. Welcome back inside the Roach Motel. It is I, Josh Potter, your host, back with you once again. Someone was like, you don't have to say it's your name, dude. We were all clicking on it. We know. Well, old habits die hard, I'm afraid. I'm sorry. All right. Get off this roach's back. But we're back from a wonderful weekend in San, Di uh, San Jose with Annie Letterman and Jesse Jetski Johnson. Had a blast. And I'm sure you're going to hear all about it on Annie's new podcast, Annie Wood. I mean, she's just filming everything all the time. So it's it's some of it. I hope it doesn't make it on there. Let's just put it that way. But uh, yes, it's very exciting weekend. And coming up, I will be with Tom Segura down in Florida and perhaps a couple of other places in the beginning of December. Waiting to hear about that. And then later on in December, home for the holidays. Yes, Bing Crosby songs ringing in my head. Buffalo, New York, December 22nd and 23rd. Those tickets are on sale. Go over to my Instagram at J underscore Potter on Twitter at Josh underscore Potter on Instagram. And there in the bio, you'll find links uh, to purchase tickets. So uh, pleased to be doing so. I hope to see you there. We're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, it's going to be loosey-goosey and a good old time. So I hope I see you out in Buffalo, New York. Plenty of 2023 stuff in the works. Excited to announce all of that. And also coming in 2023, Twitch streams are coming back and I got a camera. I mean, computer is being built. So it is going to be a little elevated from just the pure PlayStation uh, interface that I was using all of like during pandemic and beyond. So if you want to get subscribed early or follow along early, twitch.tv slash Josh underscore Potter. Other than that, please to be just following on social media. And thank you for subscribing and liking and rating and reviewing, especially if you're listening on audio. If you watch on video, do subscribe to the YouTube channel and click that little bell so that you get notified when episodes drop, which they do every Tuesday at 6 a.m. Pacific, 9 a.m. Eastern. And today to begin the show, I have a bit of a quandary that I want to pose to you out there. I don't know how to go about this, and it's not really my decision. I'm not the commissioner of this fantasy football league. So it's not exactly my choice, you see. But I have to know uh, what you would do in this situation. Because I am at a loss, quite frankly. I don't really know how to go about it. I have no inkling one way or another how to handle this situation. And if you are in a fantasy football league, perhaps you can lend your service. Josh Potter Show at gmail.com is where you can send in all of your feedback, all of your answers to this quandary, all of your everything. Griffin Parker, of course, with that instrumental, sending that in to Josh Potter Show at gmail.com. That's the place to send anything. That's the place to communicate with the show. And again, I have this question that I'm about to pose and I really need some feedback on it. And perhaps I can share it with the commissioner of my fantasy football league. And if you don't play fantasy football, uh, you know, maybe you can chime in to it as to what you would do. Uh, you know, I don't think either of you two play fantasy football, correct? No, no. no didn't think so. I did not. Think. Fantasy football is so polarizing. No one wants to hear about your fantasy football team. You know what I mean? The only people that want to talk about your fantasy football team, perhaps, are the other players in your league. Even they don't want to hear about what's going on in your team. You know, it's so uh, and there are people that are out there who make podcasts all about fantasy football. And 
I can't, t- I don't even, I love fantasy football and I couldn't listen to them. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't care that you have Christian Kirk in your flat. Like, you know what I'm saying? So we're not talking about anything about that. But what happened in a league that I'm in, and it's not my main league. My main league I'm in with all of my high school friends. We've been in it since senior year of high school. It's uh, 15, been 15 years now at this point. It's not that league. That's the one. That's my baby. That's my dime. That's my franchise. You know what I mean? That's my legacy. That's the one I'm going to leave to my children someday. I'm going to have it in my... It's already in my will, actually. It's the only thing of value that I possess, frankly. I have nothing else. And uh, in this case, though, <clears throat> I'm in a league with... There's some comics in it. There's some other people. There's some show business people. And it was one of those situations where right before pandemic, they the commissioner was like, hey, we got an extra spot. Do you want to join? And I'm like, ah, sure. What the fuck? You know what I mean? It's it's a fun social thing. And there's some guys in there that, you know, I wanted to like sort of be friends with or whatever. So I joined up and uh, a couple of years went by. I got Todd into it. Todd, of course, Annie's boyfriend. You've seen him on the new podcast, Annie Wood, if you've watched it. And uh, perhaps if you've seen her on the road, you've seen him selling merch and whatnot Uh, he's becoming his own little star at the end of the day but me and Todd are in this league together and uh one of the people in the league died like suddenly and tragically it's very sad but I mean I didn't really know the person that well at all actually but uh turns out he died and so now Todd and I were curious what happens I mean, not what happens to his family or his estate or anything. What happens to his fantasy football team? I mean, the man has a, quite the roster. It's got, I mean, he is 8-1 and one right now. Going into, well, he was 8-1 and one going into this week, and I haven't looked yet. Perhaps he might be even 9-1 and one because his lineup was set right before he passed away. So he was on it. I mean, this guy played hard. And, uh, you know, again, tragic death. Young. Oh, it's sad. It's a bummer. And then you wonder, though, you know, what happens to Christian McCaffrey? Does he just uh, stay on the team? Does Do we keep the team going in an homage for the man? Do we keep uh, having the commissioner set the lineups if there's bye weeks or injuries? What do we do? Or do we, because perhaps maybe he didn't have a plan like I do, where I've left the team in my will, you know, do we uh, say, you know, well, he hasn't paid his dues yet. Maybe we bid on the players that are on his team. I mean, he's not going to miss the money. Or if he wins, do we give the money to his family? I don't know what... I We don't know what to do in this case. Oh, that one sounded good to Kirsten. <laughs> if he wins... But so... But here's the thing, Kirsten. If there are injuries, if there are bye weeks, do we actively, like, help him win then in that case? Or do we... I mean, I know right now the, the family's probably dealing with things like, you know funeral arrangements and stuff like that do we bother them with hey bt dubs this gentleman was in this league does his wife or girlfriend or whomever want to take over does that, you know what i mean what do we do so uh i mean what if he wins do we i mean we could just give the money to his estate i, I don't know what to tell you but what if he hasn't paid yet i have a question now what yes does he have a wife or a partner? Or... I believe he has a girlfriend. Okay. Mm, okay. So this does this change your opinion? or It's not a blood relative, and I'm, I don't know if we're going by, like, you know, 
hospital rule like in a hospital i don't know does a girl is a girlfriend allowed to come in in the last moments or make decisions like uh we have to pull the uh the plug i don't think a girlfriend can make those decisions right so ergo do girlfriends have the ability to decide what occurs during a situation like this for fantasy football that's some legalities we have to address as well I don't know. I am at a loss. I'm at a complete loss, you know, because on one hand, I'm not a completely, uh, you know, obtuse, selfish prick. You know what I mean? I, I have some, you know, sort of reverence for this man. I, you know, I, I was a nice guy. I don't want, you know, anything bad, obviously, to occur post-mortem here. And uh, if we do, as an homage, continue his team along... And say he gets to the Super Bowl and he loses. Do we hit up his girlfriend for like the hundred bucks or whatever that <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like if we take it to a certain level, or do we just all resign ourselves to the fact that the pot's gonna be a little less this year? Probably the case. But uh, yeah, it's, it's there's a lot of questions to be had, and I'm curious everyone's thoughts out there. Let's crowdsource this thing, Josh Potter Show at gmail.com. I want to know because here in the Nice Boy Clock, I brought it up because I want to be a nice boy about this. I want to do it right, and I don't know if there's a protocol out there. This can't be the first time this has happened in the history of time. There have to have been times where, in fact. A person has passed away mid-season during the fantasy football season. You know what I'm saying? There, ha- there has to be a protocol. I'm, I'm seeing that this is a hotly debated issue going back decades on really? the internet. Yes. There's like a Reddit thread about this? There are multiple Reddit threads. There are uh, other threads and other, um, other communities and forums. Well, do me a solid for the next couple of minutes here because I'm going to move on to something else but i would elsewhere in the sports i would love to hear if you can through gazing through it for a few moments gather a consensus or see what the most perhaps popular solution is so maybe in the next couple of minutes we'll be able to find one of those but we have plenty of sports to get to folks let's get right into it and plenty of news by the way hey the roach reporters have been crawling up my ass i love them thank you so much all right josh potter show at gmail.com send your stuff in now i am going to get a little nerdy with you folks here for a second about football and it's because of the fact that there is something unique happening in the nfl Now, many teams, when they are doing poorly, they often start to point fingers as to who's to blame. And it's oftentimes falling on the hands or shoulders of the head coach. And already this season had a few head coaches fired and uh, midseason, which is sometimes shocking. And sometimes it's like, all right, this is great. We just got to get a new some new blood in here. The Panthers fired their head coach. They elevated one of their uh, assistants to become the interim head coach. And boy, oh boy, then the Panthers come out with a little fire in their belly and they win a couple of games and people are like, holy hell, what's going on? Especially as a gambler, you're like, what the fuck is happening here? This is bananas. Why are they winning all of a sudden? 
Well, the Indianapolis Colts decided to do the same thing. They fired Frank Reich, and uh, Frank Reich just got dealt a shit hand. I mean, the man got held, got dealt such a nonsense. I mean, he had to deal with Philip Rivers, and then Carson Wentz, and then Matt Ryan. Just a lineage of dog shit that he had to deal with. All at the ends of their career. Well, Carson Wentz, not so much the end of his career, but just uh, a retread. At the end of the day, Matt Ryan at the end of his career, Philip Rivers was like, I got one more in me. And then he came back out for, you know, so Matt, uh, Frank Reich never really had his guy necessarily. Well, he got fired by Jim Irsay, the owner of the Colts. And then Jim Irsay decided, you know what, instead of elevating one of my assistants who are wildly qualified, I mean, he has a bunch of former head coaches on that staff, Gus Bradley, John Fox, maybe even a few others, but he's got quite a qualified staff of assistants. What did Jim Irsay decide to do? He decided to take his drinking buddy, Jeff Saturday, who used to be the center of the Indianapolis Colts during their glory days, during Peyton Manning days, etc. And perhaps a Hall of Famer, Jeff Saturday. I don't know if he already is, but he could very well be one. I mean, he's one of the best centers maybe uh, in the last couple of uh, decades. And so Jim Irsay goes, I need Jeff Saturday to be my interim head coach. And you're thinking, uh, well, you know, Jeff Saturday, he's played at a high level. You know, he must have some experience. No, he has zero. He The, the only thing he's coached is a high school football team. He has no coaching uh, experience at the college or pro level. So many, many, many people have come out to say this is a disgrace. This is an insult, especially in a time where uh, people of color who are assistants at the assistant level are getting uh, passed up for head coaching jobs. And it's become an issue in the NFL. It's been brought up many a times, especially after uh, the whole thing with the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins had a a gentleman who I, I'm blanking on his name. It's not Todd Bowles. I can't remember who it is. But they are all up in arms in the NFL about the fact that there's a thing called the Rooney Rule. And what that is is you have to interview uh, a minority head coach, at least. You have to have so many interviews with people of color, minorities, etc., which is a nice rule because, you know, otherwise you'd think, oh, it's like a boys club. It was basically a way to uh, help with diversifying coaching staffs. Well, many people were saying that because of the Rooney rule, there were oftentimes interviews conducted that were token interviews, meaning they had no intention of hiring that person. They were just fulfilling their obligations in the Rooney rule. And there's a lawsuit pending with the Miami Dolphins. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on. So it raised up those flags once Jeff Saturday was hired because this man has no experience and you're passing up people. of You know what I mean? So uh, Jeff Saturday, though, came out on Sunday <laughs> and he beat the Las Vegas Raiders in his first game coaching ever, which is insane. And you could look at that and be like, well, what did he really do? It's mostly his staff and things like that. What he did is he came in and he galvanized that staff and he galvanized the players and through some sort of whatever, being a leader of men, because that's all he's cited as his abilities, he managed to get a W over the Las Vegas Raiders. Or are the Raiders such horseshit that they just will lose to a guy who is a disgrace as a head coach? I don't. We don't know yet. We're going to have to find out till week two. But 
So many people have come out to be like, this is a disgrace, including one Hall of Fame head coach, Bill Cowher. He is now, uh, you know, retired from coaching. He's on television and he's, uh, you know, a pundit on the TV. Of course, a coach for the Pittsburgh Steelers for many years, winning Super Bowls, Hall of Famer. Let's watch what he has to say, because obviously it's not glowing, but let's hear it. You know, guys, I, I played in the National Football League for five years. I went on to become an assistant coach right from playing the coach, and I was assistant coach for seven years. Hmm. Blessed to be able to go to Pittsburgh and be a head coach at the age of 34 for 15 years. I'm speaking on behalf of the coaching profession. I know for a fact that Jeff Saturday was offered an opportunity to become a head, an assistant coach with the Indianapolis Colts multiple times in the last four years. He declined, citing that he had a TV job and wanted to spend more time with his family. Mm -hmm. I get it. That's fair. I get it. Coaching is about commitment and it's about sacrifice. It's not just a job, it's a lifestyle. That being said, Jeff Saturday has taken a position this year as a consultant for the Indianapolis Colts. Mm -hmm. And he's talked to them weekly from his home in Atlanta. Wow. Now to find out on Monday, in that short period of time, he's now the head coach of the new Indianapolis Colts, overseeing a staff that he chose not to, not to choose. Not to join. Because of a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Jeff Sari talked about in his first press conference the fact that he's going to use his second half as an opportunity oh. to build his resume, to see whether or not he can coach in the future. Mm. I say to that, what about the assistants on the staff right now? The guys that were there in training camp, the guys that were there early in the morning and late at night, the guys that have gone through the first six weeks in that building, guys like Gus Bradley, Scotty Montgomery, uh, John Fox, don't they deserve the opportunity for an owner to hire a coach who's never been an assistant at the college level or the pro level <clears throat> and overseeing a very much a lot of candidates that are qualified for that job, as we see in Steve Wilkes, an opportunity to build a resume. It's a disgrace to the coaching profession. Mm. And regardless of how this thing plays out, what happened in Indianapolis is a travesty. A travesty, he said. A travesty. A disgrace to the coaching profession. Listening to Bill Cowher talk about it makes me just hope Jeff Saturday becomes the best head coach in the history of time. <laughs> I mean, come on, dude, as a guy who's in a profession where, you know, I've spent the better part of 15 years, you know, doing fire halls, doing VFWs, grinding it out, sleeping in my car, making no money, resigning myself to the fact that you just might make $18,000 a year for the rest of your fucking life. And that's that because you love this game of comedy. And to watch people who are like, you know, two seconds into it, shoot up the ladder. I never, never was like, what a disgrace to comedy. I'm not going to name names, but you all know who I'm talking. But so <laughs> my point is I never was like so precious about my profession that I was like, this is a disgrace. Anybody who is like that is always looking over their shoulders. And I'm not saying that's what Bill Cowher's doing, but boy, oh boy, get come down from your fucking tower, bro. What Jim Irsay's doing is Jim Irsay wants to draft a stud quarterback next year. And to do that, you got to tank. But you can't come out and say, I'm tanking. Because that will malign the game. That takes away credibility. 
tanking in the NFL is a very big no-no, and uh, the NFL will come down on your ass if you are actively tanking. There was, and the Colts did it once before, suck for luck. That's what they called it. Andrew Luck was coming out in the draft, and it was, we need to suck for luck. And they're not talking about dicks. They're talking about just ruining, you know, losing games deliberately. And when you have that many players on a team, and they're prideful, they're trying to get contracts and things like that, they don't want to lose. And you have to come up with some sort of, well, we're going to lose, but we have to pretend like we're trying kind of thing. Jeff Saturday is a babysitter for eight weeks. He's not going to be coaching this team next year. If you would have elevated one of those assistants, John Fox, Gus Bradley, all the people, Scotty Montgomery, all the people that were named in that little speech by Bill Cowher, those guys are going to try and win because they want to keep the job. And if they win, they're going to lower their draft status and they're not going to be able to draft perhaps the best quarterback or the one that they want out of next year's draft. So I think it's a little bit of smarts going on. Plus, he's made a, spe- a spectacle out of this whole thing. Now people are, you know, they love Jeff Saturday in Indianapolis. He's a hero. He's a Super Bowl champion for the team. He's played on the team for, what, 13 years or something like that. So, of course, people are going to be like, oh, Jeff Saturday, cool, and they're going to go to the games, and they're going to be excited about it or at least watch it. So I think it's kind of a smart move. And now that he has a win under his belt against Josh McDaniels, who is all the things that Bill Coward just talked about, slaved it out as an assistant, grinded it out. I mean, he was an uh, offensive coordinator for like almost 20 fucking years. He had a head coaching uh, position once before. So he's an experienced head coach. He's everything that Bill Coward just said deserves to be a head coach. And he fucking sucks. And got smoked, not smoked, five points, but he got beat <laughs> by Jeff Saturday, which is hilarious. The Colts are terrible. Oh, my God. So it just flips everything on its ear. I love it. But perhaps uh, there is a bit of coaching within Jeff Saturday. And by the way, Jeff Saturday is really not. Uh, <laughs> you could tell that he's just kind of like, this is fun. I'm loving this. He's going around. He's on Edron James Instagram. Like Edron James is like this. uh He's a former running back for the Colts back in the day. And he just shows up to the games and does like his own vlogs. And they're pretty wild and they're funny. So he's just standing outside the locker room with Jeff Saturday. I don't know if you want to pull that up while I read this this little article here. Because I'm gonna we're gonna play the video of Jeff Saturday with Peyton Manning from back in the day in a second. But I if you can pull up uh, Edrin James's Instagram, it's spelled Edge R R I N uh James. And uh it's like one of the towards the top. He caught him right after the game. And, of course, he's going to talk to his old running back buddy right afterwards. Let's see if we can find it real quick because it's just, like, unhinged. A coach wouldn't do this after the game. That's why it's kind of fun. No, no, go on his Instagram. There. His first victory. First dub. First dub. First head coach. Hey, head coach with no experience. You know what I'm saying? No experience, but we got a victory. Found a way, man. The men found a way. So proud of the dudes, man. How can you be an NFL coach, no experience, and still go out and beat <laughs> that room, man. That room. Them coaches and players, God love them, man. See, Ed's get the best interviews. Y'all need to hire me. Hey, nah, I can't work for nobody. Man. No, I'm about to say. Hey. <laughs> Yeah, we got to get Edron James on this program. (laughs) He's the fucking man. But so he catches him just like outside the locker room or whatever. No coach, by the way, would go like on Instagram with their buddy right after a win. And he's like, so you got no experience, nothing. How'd you win? And he's like, that room right there. That's exactly true. 
everyone else did the work. <laughs> and Jeff Saturday, and he he said this on a, a, a like a, this morning in a press conference or not in a press conference, but in an interview. I think with Pat McAfee, he was like, listen, I, I just ask them what they need from me. And then I do it. Everyone else is really doing everything else. Like if I can see something on tape and discern it, I'll help out. But really like, he's just kind of a babysitter that, like I said, he's the babysitter. And, uh, evidently Jeff Saturday though, has irked some people with his, I guess, coaching while on the sideline being a player, because there is an old tape uh, of Jeff Saturday talking with Peyton Manning, having a heated exchange on the sideline. Manning was recorded by a microphone for NFL films for, for a game during which this incident took place. Uh, f- fans following that, uh, they became privy to what he was saying during the sideline argument Saturday, uh, with Saturday, excuse me, who was his longtime center in the video. Manning yells at Saturday to tell the center, quit calling plays. So he was calling plays as a center. And Manning's like, quit calling the plays. We're going to hear the tape in a second. Jeff Saturday wanted the Colts to run the ball more. And, of course, Peyton Manning, who is a quarterback, was like, you shut the fuck up. I'm going to do what I want. So let's watch it. Hey, hey, I, I, hey, quit calling the plays, all right? Hey, we got to run the ball. ball. Six six down let me pass. Watch, watch. We'll run the ball. Yeah, Jeff, we will. How about you fucking block? Peyton Manning, man. He's, you know, Peyton Manning's always everybody's goofy, like, oh, he's so funny. He was good on SNL. He's a piece of shit, really, in the background. I think. I mean, there's some there's some allegations about Peyton Manning. Hey, well, watch it. What's that? I'm from Louisiana. You don't talk about the Mannings that way. Well, that's Archie. I mean, okay, that's fine. But Peyton's, we can maybe someday we'll go into that. <laughs> but I don't know. It's like uh, it be it is kind of like Kanye. Like you know, Kanye, Dave Chappelle was just on SNL and he was like, "There's two words you don't put together: the and the Jews." You don't. You in terms of football. Talking about the Mannings is like talking about the Jews in show business. So you're right. Maybe we don't dig into the allegations because, boy, oh, boy, did they bury them deep into the Earth's core. <laughs> I mean, nobody talks about Peyton Manning's whole Me Too moment that happened during college. But uh, perhaps we will someday. That, though, Jeff Saturday, I'm excited for him. I hope he wins out. I hope Jim Irsay. Jim Irsay is like the owner in Major League, like up there in the box. Like, we just won? That's not the po- That's not why I did this. We're not supposed to fucking win. We're supposed to fucking lose. I want the quarterback next year. But last week here on the show, we had a fun moment with Adam Ray, who, by the way, uh, he called up Steve Levy following the fun moment. We're talking about Trip Tracy uh, and having his on-air slip-up. And uh, Adam Ray called up Steve Levy. We had a wonderful conversation. Go back and watch last week's episode if you haven't done so already. And... uh, after the show, actually, a couple of days later, I got to meet Steve at the Comedy Store, which was very fun. But why don't we refresh everybody with what happened with Trip Tracy, if we can. Absolutely hit the lottery with a bunch of Reese's penis peanut butter cups. So Reese's penis butter cups was the, 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 the slip up there. Absolutely hit the lottery with Reese's penis butter cups. I bet the lottery would, you, you definitely do hit the lottery more so with penis butter cups, I would say, than peanut butter cups, I would say. But... We've had another hockey on-air 
slip-up that was handled quite differently than Trip Tracy. And I don't know which one's better quite yet. Let's give this one a listen. Better, allowing fewer and fewer shots. Shots, a little more like... <laughs> shots in his... We'll keep this together, but fewer shots against him, so he's getting the groove out our treatment. Keep it together, keep it... <laughs> I'm over here, camera three. Either way, Kemper getting better every game. <laughs> I've been enjoying while I was laughing too. <laughs> we'll be right back. Wasn't that funny? <laughs> you know what I mean? Wasn't that funny? Sharts. I mean, Trip Tracy handled it like mortified. He was like, oh, I said penis. Oh my God. These guys were like, Sharts. <laughs> Like, I mean, come on, grow up a little bit. That guy, the one guy was crying on camera. <laughs> so at the end of the day, I made fun of how Trip Tracy handled it. And I was like, ah, oh, you got to say a little something or other. And they did. They go, we, they did. They acknowledged it, but they, they were more had to acknowledge it because they were laughing so hard. It would have been better if they would have just made a joke and moved on. There's a happy middle, folks. That's all I'm saying. A happy middle. But real quick, before we finish off sports, let us get to who is sponsoring the show today. Today's Josh Potter show is brought to us by the fine folks at DoorDash. And boy, oh boy, things are underway for the holiday season. Things are hectic. Oftentimes stores are crowded. Restaurants are crowded because people are out shopping and things like that. Maybe you don't necessarily want to go deal with the deluge of humanity. Well, DoorDash can help you out. In every single way, they'll go to grocery stores, convenience stores, perhaps something from your local restaurant that you enjoy, or perhaps a chain restaurant that you enjoy. Anything that you could possibly imagine, DoorDash will help you out with it ASAP, whether it's even last minute like school supplies or something like that, because the kids are back at school. They've been there for a while now. Maybe they're running out and they need some new ones. Maybe you need fresh flowers for that special someone. DoorDash is always there and they're uh, they're going to be helping you out with every single order that you could possibly imagine. They've got over 300,000 partners. You can support your neighborhood go-tos, or you can choose, like I said, from your favorite national restaurants, Popeye's, Chipotle, Cheesecake Factory, just to name a few. From stores and restaurants <clears throat> to the dashers driving around, each purchase provides a new opportunity for everyone involved because with DoorDash, there is a neighborhood of good in every single order. And right now, for a limited time, my listeners are able to get 50% off up to a $20 value and $0 delivery fees, by the way, just by downloading the DoorDash app and entering code JP, two letters, JP, that's it. And you get 50% off up to $20 value, zero delivery fees when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code JP. Don't forget that's code JP for 50% off up to $20 value and $0 delivery fees with DoorDash, subject to change, terms apply. And elsewhere here in the sports, we have another uh, little submission here from Tim Wing, and it's another little on mic. This is not a slip-up. This is something, before I play it here, this happens all the People send me this type of stuff all the time, and I wanted to raise awareness of it because I think that the people who commit this type of slip-up are they know exactly what they're doing. And uh, let's watch it first, and you'll see what I mean. You have to like when there's a guy coming right in your face and he just sits in there and, and delivers it uh, really well. Yep. 
coming in your face. And I don't know if we've played that one before, but this is happening more and more. It's happening all the time. And I heard Chris Collins. I couldn't find the Collinsworth version of it. But if you find these, I want to, I just want to find a fucking library. Send them into me. I want to develop because I have a theory that this is something that people just love to do in terms of broadcasters. And then they look over at their partner and they nudge them and they go, <laughs> you see what I did there? I said, coming in your face. Isn't that hilarious? Did you hear what I said there? I said, coming right in your face. I mean, there's ones where they're like, he busted right in his face. You know, I mean, there, there's just so many. So I wanted to bring that one up again and Tim Wing resent it in. So I said, listen, we got to start uh, cataloging these types of things here. Oh, let's see. Where, do we have a couple more sports things? Ba, ba, ba. We have two more. Yes, indeed. So I think I found the Chris Collins. Oh, you one. did? Look at that. How about if you get a little taste of Landon Dickerson coming right down your throat? Come on, guys. <laughs> you know, the little taste of Landon Dickerson. He knew his name was Dickerson, and he had to say taste. How about a sample? I mean, even nothing really works at the end of the day. So what does that one say down there? Does that another one? Or is that the Dickerson? That, that's the I'm one. sorry. Yes. Okay. Well, so like I said, folks, keep your ears peeled for these types of things because I'm on to it. I have a, a bit of a conspiracy about them if you haven't already uh, realized. But elsewhere, this one uh, is about Mike Pereira. And this is more of not a Mike slip up, but a visual one. So if you're listening at home, I'll have to describe what is going to occur in this whole deal. NFL Network viewers tuned in Sunday morning to watch the Tampa Bay Buccaneers take on the Seattle Seahawks in Munich, Germany. Yes, there was a game that happened in Munich, Germany this past weekend. First time a regular season game was played in Germany, and the German fans seemed to have a good time. You know what I always get jealous of when they have these foreign games? The size of the beers that they allow foreigners <laughs> to have in the stadiums. I mean, they had, like giant beers i mean like in mugs that they were selling if they did that here i feel like they're worried that we're going to kill each other or something in germany they're allowed to do whatever they want evidently given that it was the first ever regular season nfl game to be played in germany they were expecting to see something they'd never seen before they just didn't think that it was going to be mike Pereira making an extremely cringy face yes that's what occurred while he normally works as the rules analyst for Fox Sports, Pereira joined the NFL Network broadcast to provide some insight on an officiating decision late in the game. As the broadcast was trying to determine if the Seahawks touchdown catch would stand, Pereira seemed to be under the assumption that he was no longer on camera. Either that or he saw something or someone so enticing that he could not possibly contain himself. The result was something very off-putting, making matters even more concerning. Pereira walked towards the focus of his... Well, we'll get into it in a second. Uh, I'll, I'll explain this in a moment. I want you to watch it first. Who lays out and holds on and makes sure the ball doesn't hit the ground. Ugh, what's he doing? At what I'm trying to think of a rational reason why any man would do that while sitting at a desk. Is this just a gif of it? Put this on loop for Kirsten. I think she... <laughs> you can just tell, like, he's someone's uncle who hugs them too long at birthday parties. <laughs> he's the Joe Biden of, of NFL analysts. He's just sniffing hair. He smells nice. So, like, I'm trying to think. Poor Mike Pereira. Okay, he thinks he's off camera. Look, maybe he 
maybe the the food came for the broadcast that at that moment and he was like wings like there's no and then he walked off like he's like ooh hey i'm going to come over there and get you <laughs> i don't know what the fuck he's doing but he thought he was off camera this is oh it is such a fucking chilling gift folks basically if you're listening at home i'll describe it real fast he did what you would do if you were uh a teenager and you wanted to like someone's taking a picture or you're on a, a jumbotron and you're like doing the whole like i'm eating pussy thing you know where you put the v up to your mouth and you you lick it like Ehh. he was doing that without the v he just was wagging his tongue around like Ehh. and he's old and it's creepy <laughs> and so uh you know that was something i mean thank god it was at like 6 30 in the morning out here in uh the West Coast. Not many people maybe caught it. I don't know what the numbers were for views on that whole thing. Nevertheless, though, that does it for the sports. Unless we have something you want to share in terms of fantasy football and a member dying in your league. Yeah, there was a Reddit thread about it, and it seems like the um, the the decision that was eventually uh, made was to uh, allow the commissioner to set the lineup every week and then at the end of the season uh they donated any winnings that he was going to have to a um to either his family or to a charity that he would have supported if he won if if he won i was going to say if we're just throwing the whole thing in there what are we playing for at this point you know but there, there was al- there was also a, a lot of people suggested naming the trophy after him. <laughs> That's interesting. I like that. We'd have to purchase it. Um, no, I like that. I, I, maybe we can name the league after him. I don't mind mm-hmm. doing that. That's that is a nice amount. I I will say the league that I'm in that I, I I try hardest in and that has I've been a part of for half of my life. Uh, that one, if somebody died in it, would be like I'd have to go to the funeral. Like those people I've grown up with. Do you know what I'm saying? And maybe we'd even, like, cancel the seat. I mean, it would be... This one is, like, one of those ones where it's, like, your one friend who knows a bunch of people is just collecting people from his life and putting them together. So I am, I will say, probably less sensitive than I should be to the situation. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I'm curious. What happens in this kind of thing? What have you done? And I enjoyed uh, that little... Uh, thank you for deducing that there, Rob. And uh, like I said, please to be sending in emails, joshpottershow at gmail.com, so that uh, I can hear what you have to say about it. And maybe you can come up with even some more creative type of ideas that someone hasn't even thought of yet. But let's get to some news. Before we get to the news, I know I just played the music, so it's tough to go backwards. I did want to play something. Julian Alvarez sent in a montage of Cecil Wilson being trolled by other players in the NFL. So I just wanted to play that going out. And then Broncos we'll country, let's ride. Broncos country, let's ride. Broncos country, let's ride. Both fan, let's ride. Both fan, let's ride. Both fan. Let's rock. Funny I'm like, here today because, because God has brought me here. Jesus has brought me here. How were you able to grit this one out? Um, before I directly answer that, I just want to 
say thank you to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What was it, eight <laughs> hours flight here? Was, was the first two hours I was watching the film, and then for the next four hours, I was walking up and down the aisles. Everybody was knocked out. I was doing high knees. Let's, let's talk to us a little bit, Jay Tuck. What do, you, what do you want to know? What, what are we doing on the plane ride back home? I heard we're, I heard Lamar's leading us in high knees, Raven's flock, let's fly. <laughs> Everybody has to have an alter ego, right? And, and I've been thinking about what my alter ego would be, and I, I, I think I have an alter ego. His name, Mr. Unlimited. Unlimited! Let's <laughs> Justin Tucker trolling him is the ultimate troll. That guy's a kicker, folks. He's a fucking kicker. You're if you're a quarterback of an NFL franchise and you got kickers dogging you, whoo! I think it's funny that there's a lot of Chargers in that too. Um, we saw Keenan Allen up there. He's like Bolt Country. Let's ride. I would have been funny if they caught him on mic like afterwards, just being like, "What a fucking dork!" Right? <laughs> and then you had uh, another. You had a, I think that was another kicker, by the way, at the end of that talking about G- before we get. To, I think he just beat the Denver Broncos and brought up Jesus Christ in the middle of that one. I couldn't tell who that was though, uh, in that other one. But now we will get into the news. Let's do it. Oh boy, and Justin M going hard for the Roach Reporter of the Year. I mean, this man, I should put him on the fucking payroll at this point because he sends in so much shit. Good golly, this one. And this one applies to a guest that we recently had on the program, uh, Sarah Jury, if you recall, a few weeks back. I'm not sure how many episodes back it was, but go check it out. It's right in the titles there. She was a teacher fired for having an OnlyFans, if you recall. And in this case, oh boy, we have Arizona teachers, a couple, fired for their OnlyFans content. Let's get into it and see if we support, as we always usually do. A Lake Havasu City couple who are both teachers have been fired for purportedly making sexually explicit content on school grounds for the subscription platform OnlyFans. Uh, The Today's News Herald reports Lake Havasu Unified School District officials confirmed that Samantha Peer, an eighth grade science teacher, was terminated on Halloween while her husband, Dylan Peer, a fourth grade teacher, was let go four days later. Andrea Hallart, a district spokeswoman, says the district is not able to comment on personal matters. The newspaper says Thunderbolt Middle School, what a gay name for a middle school, where Peer taught, sent an email to parents Monday informing them that students had been sharing explicit material involving a staffer. The images depicted did not happen during the school day, and the person depicted no longer works for us, the email stated. Samantha Peer appeared uh, to have an OnlyFans account under another name. Some of the content featured her husband. OnlyFans is a social media site driven by subscriptions that's known for users offering and buying adult content. We know what OnlyFans is. Aliyah Bilski, a parent of an 8th grader, says that she discovered Samantha Peer had a link to her OnlyFans account on social media channels under her real name. She also claims the school only alerted parents after she posted about her discovery on Facebook. So, Evidently, this couple was making content on school grounds after hours. I mean, a school is a public building at the end of the day, so it is probably illegal to have sex in them. I've never had sex in a school, but you always hear stories about kids in your grade be like, I got blown under a stairwell, and you're always like, how on earth? 
no one caught you i mean i wish i was even i was not sexually active i think i fingered a, I, I had a high school girlfriend who was like uh you know very religious so she was like i'm waiting till i'm married and i was like that's fine i've been waiting this long i'll wait longer and uh we did some stuff with hands and mouths and stuff like that but the idea of doing it at school would have mortified both of us i would imagine at the time uh or anywhere in public for that matter so to be such a uh to be a, chi- a child in school and to be so feral as to fuck on the school grounds I think that's just a different level of brain that I don't even know about. But nevertheless, teachers doing it is bizarre. Now, I remember at my high school, when I came into it, I was a freshman, and the seniors at the time, this is uh, the year 2000, so Photoshop was like, you know, kind of archaic at the time. When you did Photoshop, it was like you had to cut things out put like layer them and then scan them that was photoshop you know what i'm saying like maybe there was programs but we weren't doing that so this one kid uh right for his senior prank he uh he took naked pictures you know like out of playboy or whatever cut out also then yearbook photo pictures of teachers faces and put them over the porn pictures essentially and then posted them up around school and then got it. He didn't get. I mean, it was the end of the year. He wasn't able to walk at graduation. I think he was like, you know, one of the leaders of. I think he was class president or something like that too. So he got like in epic trouble, as much as you can get in trouble for that kind of thing. Uh, and that wasn't even real. Do you know what I'm saying? So imagine if these guys, because now I mean, technology has flash forward here, 22 years. Imagine if during a senior prank or something like that, someone just literally played. <laughs> their only fans like over the loudspeaker or something you know what i'm saying i could get it become a sticky wicket but i do support only fans and sex workers and so i have to stay true to that and i can't give a shit if it happened at the school i say we get this couple on the program and we find them and we discuss you know what kind of scenes they shot was it really anything bad? I think where they fucked up was having the OnlyFans in the social media links. You can't really have a connection there. You got to have plausible deniability. Because then at the end of the day, how's your kid even on OnlyFans to notice this? Hmm? Where'd they get the credit card from? Who's it linked to? Yada, yada, yada. And then it's some nosy mom who you know she's on fucking OnlyFans flicking her bean to everything under the sun. And then she's like, the teacher's on here. You know, you you start to go like, how did you discover that necessarily? Nevertheless, I got to go find some of this content and figure it out. Maybe if you uh, can help me out with some. They did put their names in here, but I don't know what names they went by on OnlyFans yet. We'll do some further investigations here on the Josh Potter show. But next up we have a quite the opposite sort of situation. And this one is a guy live streaming his, I don't even know if we're allowed to say this word on YouTube anymore. His unaliving. Yes. His KMSing. Is that what you were going to say, Kirsten? No, but those are my initials. <laughs> what were you gonna say, say? I was gonna say he just like commits slip and slide. He commits slip and slide. I like that because it rhymes, and I can remember that was good for my brain. So a beloved British father of four, evidently. I like how they lead off with that part of it. Live streamed his own slip and slide on Facebook, 
and uh, one of his shocked and heartbroken friends being the one to alert the authorities as the tragedy unfolded. Could you imagine? Okay, so let's read the story real quick, and then I'll pose this question. Uh, Paul David Hilton, 34, went live on social media before uh, putting a, you know, rope around himself and slip and sliding in his home in northwest England on April 30th. Uh, a number of his friends and acquaintances watched the distressing footage, prompting one of them to desp- just one of them to desperately call the police An outlet reported. Lewis Morrison said he received the notification and thought his friend's live stream would be something amusing because, hey, Paul's a funny guy. He was shocked to witness the slip and slide and called for help right away. Hilton's feed was still going when paramedics arrived at his home just before 7 a.m., about six minutes after the emergency call was made. The paramedics apparently realized what was happening, and one of them turned off the live feed. The dad had apparently—I don't like how they call him that—the guy had apparently struggled with mental health and had some substance abuse issues. A toxicology report said his blood alcohol level was two and a half times the legal limit at the time of the death, and he had cocaine in his system. Uh, One of the most alarming and distressing features of this case is that he decided he would live stream the events from his home and that this was picked up by a small number of his friends. I think if you're going to live stream it and still go through with it, that shows intent. I mean, at the very least, we can't blame it on the toxicology report. That's just basically to be like, I'm going to go through with it. Two times the legal limits of 0.16. I think we've all been that drunk before. I think you can still make some decisions, you know what I'm saying? But I think what's interesting is that people were like, his buddies were tuning in, and they were like, ha, Paul, such a, such a goof. Oh, let's see what he's doing here. Oh, oh my lord. You know what I, And then it turns for the worse, like, what on earth do you think that they were, they were like, going to watch? Ah, he's got a noose behind him. Let's see what he's going to do with this. He's such a goofball. <laughs> oh, no. You know what I mean? Like, call the police. Only one of them called? What kind of friends are you dealing with here, Paul? No wonder you slip and slided. Jeez Louise. Is there anything else on this thing? It's an unusual case, if not uh, surreal, that the reality of the evidence is right there on the live stream. And uh, he was adored by so many people, apparently not the ones that were watching because they never called the police. Not just family. He had many friends, some of them over 30 years from primary school. That one sent into us. uh, I forget. I didn't write that one down either. I wish I could give credit to that one. Uh, Roach reporter out there who sent that bad boy in. I think it might have just been Justin M again. I mean, this guy's all he's he's got everything. Another guy who uh, lost his life, who we talked about last week with Adam Ray is Aaron Carter. Now, Aaron Carter, he passed away in his Lancaster, California home. We talked about that last week as well. And now people are coming out who were neighbors of him. And what this neighbor is such a piece of shit. Oh, my God. If you're a neighbor of Aaron Carter and he died. You know what you should do if the if the media comes up to you and talks to you? You know what you should say? Oh, swell guy, shame that he passed. And leave it at that. This shitty neighbor couldn't wait to inject themselves into the story in some capacity. Days after teen pop sensation Aaron Carter was found dead in his Lancaster, California home, and the artist's neighbors are speaking out, detailing their time living next to the troubled singer. I'm sad what happened and that he died. The unnamed neighbor. Yeah, what a pussy. Couldn't even put his name in the fucking thing. I wish he would have just been able to sell his house and move away. But now we don't have to deal with him anymore. That's what they said in the media. 
I'm sure they blurred their face and everything because they're a fucking coward. And they had to talk shitty about a guy who died uh, in an overdose just to get it out of the way. The House of Carter's alum reportedly had problems with several of his neighbors in on his street, so much so that at least three called the police on him during his time living in the Southern California jurisdiction. According to the source, Aaron was an air was just arrogant. He thought he was better than everyone else in the neighborhood. I'm going to tell you something. He was in Lancaster, California, been there a few times. Aaron Carter was better than everyone in the neighborhood. Hands down. Guaranteed. And I do believe this was a mansion. I mean, I think it says it at some point here in the story about the size of it. But I, oh, yes, a seven-bedroom, four-bathroom abode. Now, when you live in a house that big, and I would imagine the other homes on that street are of that size, how do you hear your fucking neighbors? There's got to be enough land slash walls slash everything where you can just avoid any contact with your neighbors at all. I live in a building with six units and I might as well live in a building where I'm completely isolated. I hear nothing. I see no one. The fact that Aaron Carter lived in a seven bedroom, four bathroom house, and then his neighbor probably lived in another massive house yonder. And they're still like, boo hoo. What the fuck are you? Are You're probably a nosy person at that case. You know, you're probably looking like, what is Aaron doing? You're over your fence. Oh, I think I see him doing drugs. I better call the police. You know, a real fucking uh, what's her name from Bewitched? Edna Gladys or whatever. I forget the name of the nosy neighbor. None of you are going to remember that reference. Yeah, Jeff Saturday. Uh, Aaron was just arrogant. He thought he was better than everyone else in the neighborhood. They said there was always commotion coming from the house. You could hear Aaron and his on again, off again girlfriend, Melanie, arguing all hours of the day. Yeah, because you had your window open and you were looking out over there watching it like a fucking looky-loo, you idiot. Uh, oh, he's uh, he's also got an 11-month-old with the fiance, Melanie Martin. That's who he's referencing. We saw police out in front of his house every few months. Again, if they're out in front of their house... You are going over there going like, oh, I see police lights. Oh, my God. What's the name of the neighbor in Bewitched? Look that up. Real Gladys. Quick. Gladys what? Edna Gladys or Gladna, uh, Gladys something else? Gladys. Kravitz. Kravitz. Yes. Nailed it. <laughs> All the drugs in the world, and I still pulled that one out of my <laughs> ass. I feel bad he left behind his young child, the source explained, this neighbor, this piece of shit, adding that the 90s icon obviously had his issues and demons. It's a shame that he died. I wouldn't wish that on anyone, but I'm so glad he's no longer in our neighborhood. Wow. What a piece of fucking garbage. I mean, I it's probably a... a, a Idiot woman! That sounds like a lady more than it does a guy. Sorry, Kirsten, but it does. <laughs> this one was sent in by Jason Mullen and he wrote an email I don't have much to say aside from read this article the headline says crazy ambulance man hmm. details have been <laughs> released about a bizarre situation that happened last weekend at St. Joseph's Hospital in Elmira according to Elmira police a man jumped out of the back of an ambulance that was transporting him from the hospital the man ran into the hospital and hid from officers 
and hospital staff before he pulled an alarm in a stairwell. A sprinkler system was then activated, which caused water seepage on various floors below. The man was eventually taken into custody on the hospital's rooftop and transported then to another hospital. The investigation is ongoing and charges against the man are pending. My God, that is quite the story there, Jason Mullen. And uh, why? I mean, I wonder what happened. They just like, well, we got to take him to another hospital now. Did he just go ruin that one as well? I guess we'll have to wait and see. You think they would have a better way to put out fires, don't you? With with the fact that people can just pull fire alarms willy-nilly if they really wanted to. I know it's like a crime and that is supposed to deter people, but if someone were to just be insane and go pull a fire alarm, I mean, that's going to fuck up a lot of stuff. You'd think they would be able to control that, you know what I mean? Because then you have water damage. I guess they're just counting on the fact that fire is probably destroying everything anyway. I don't know. Those those sprinkler systems are just I always find out about stories of faulty sprinkler systems and things like that. And people are like, oh, and then it destroyed this or that. It's like the sprinkler thing is the thing destroying stuff more than the fire. It's either the fire or the water at the end of the day. But that is such a bizarre story. Hospitals. If you come to a hospital, I was in the hospital, of course, if you recall back in the beginning of the year, I had to go to the emergency room. I posted a photo on Instagram of the waiting room and this is like kind of when COVID was still telling off so they made us all wait outside there were so many maniacs in this waiting room that it was distressing to me like it was concerning and the and I heard them screaming it was like a haunted house you know you go to those haunted homes where it's like come to the haunted asylum that's what I felt like being in the emergency room because I hear in different rooms people screaming nonsense and people running around Anybody can just go around and pull a fire alarm. I feel like that would happen, like, weekly in a fucking hospital. They should have, like, special fire alarms just for insane people to pull, and then they should have, like, here's the real fire alarm, where, like, normal people can make the decision, like, here's a real fire, we might as well pull it. I just think we have to amend that situation when it comes to hospitals. Next up, a story coming to us by way of T-Bone. Again, Show at gmail.com is where you can send in anything that you'd like to send in. This is called uh, Fine Dining with a Side of... Oh, oh, murder. Apparently, Latunsky is this gentleman's name. Uh, he pleaded guilty on Thursday, September 22nd, just three weeks uh, before he was due to go on trial on charges of murder and mutilation of a dead body. Nearly a month later, he was in court for a hearing after this whole thing in uh, whatever the hell county this is happening in. Uh, the judge listened to both his defense team and the prosecutor's office as they discussed the sentence he would receive. The hearing took place two days uh, or it took place uh over the course of two days and started on Tuesday, but carried over. Who gives a shit when it happened? It included his interview with police where he gave gruesome details about Bacon's death. So the man's name was Bacon. Perhaps that's a little foreshadowing. The court found Latinsky guilty of first degree premeditated murder ahead of his sentencing set to be held at a later date. Latinsky was found competent to stand trial. Yada, yada, yada. He murdered 25 year old Kevin Bacon. The name is Kevin Bacon. Now, that can't be the real Kevin Bacon because I just saw him at the comedy store last week and he was very much alive. And it was actually very nice to see a pleasant gentleman. 
Uh, family members reported Bacon missing on Christmas in 2019 after he did not show up for breakfast. His roommate said he went to visit a man he met on Grinder the night before. <laughs> Imagine if the guy's not even gay. And he, <laughs> and he just threw one. Yeah, he was on Grinder. And everyone's like, oh, well, shit, he's gone forever. Uh, court documents reveal disturbing details about how Kevin died. Police said he was found naked, hanging upside down from the ceiling of his home. Lutunsky later admitted to police that he stabbed Kevin, slit his throat, and then hung him with a rope from the rafters. He also said he cut off a portion of his genitalia and ate it. Sounds like Lutunsky should have got on Grinder. Could have had some genitalia to eat all he wanted. I mean, I don't know if he would have been able to cut it off, but could have had some live genitalia. Perhaps the sushi version. It's gut-wrenching to hear the details, and we were just beside ourselves. All that just to eat a person's penis. It was like he was uh, hunting, and he took the deer and dressed him and hung it up and drained its blood, and then he was like, just give me the penis. That's all I want out of this. It appears Kevin knew that Latinsky was involved in a violent sexual fetish. When uh, What was released Monday shows that Kevin had a bit of a dark side himself. He obviously got into something that he wasn't prepared for. Oh, so it's like a Hannibal Lecter situation. You ever see that movie Hannibal where uh, Gary Oldman's like uh, going to party with Anthony Hopkins, who was Hannibal? And he was like, oh, you want to try some papas? And he was like, oh, yeah, I do. And then they... You know, he started carving pieces of his face off and feeding it to him. And he was like, yeah, I'm into it. And then he, you know, left him mutilated. Stunning, just absolutely stunning for Morris, Michigan, uh, for being around a bunch of deer hunters and farmers. It's the last thing I expected to find out here, said one of the neighbors, Michael Parks. Parks said he encouraged a man in November on his front porch covered in blood. Or, I'm sorry, encountered a man in November on his front porch covered in blood knocking on his door. I God, that is the worst. When you're just minding your own business and some guy comes up to your door covered in blood, now you're fucking like, oh my. you know what I do in that situation? I look out the people, I see a guy covered in blood, and I just turn off the lights. No one's home. It's like trick-or-treat time. Just turn off all the lights and hope he goes next door or something. The gentleman had purple hair. He was wearing a leather skirt, and he's got a couple of belts across his chest. So very like uh, Rob Halford garb here. This gentleman is grasping my arm with deathly fear, screaming, help me, keep him away. Just screaming at the top of his lungs. He wants to hurt me. He wants to hurt me. Another vehicle pulls into my driveway and out comes who I now find out is Mark Latunsky wearing a leather skirt himself, belts across his chest, no shoes, no shirt on. His beard is braided. So he's looking like a gay Viking or something. Very odd looking gentleman. Michigan State Police arrived within minutes and took the bleeding man with with them. No charges were ever filed against Lutinsky for that incident. Parks believes that man could have been another victim. Oh, so this wasn't Kevin Bacon in this situation. Just another uh, gentleman who was uh, taking part in the sexual. uh, What was the word? sexual violence or whatever. Every time I start to think about what went on inside that home, my stomach turns, and I don't even want to entertain those thoughts in my head because it's just creepy. He's just talking about the gay sex stuff. He wasn't even talking about <laughs> It's very likely that Lutinsky has engaged in this behavior with other people police believe potential victims could be out there but are too scared to come forward. Michigan police say uh, that they continue to investigate the murder and that uh, Mr. Lutinsky's past uh, is being investigated as well wild little crime there indeed uh let's see what else what can we wrap up on here 
I got this one here. This one from Jefferson Nally, of course, last year's Roach Reporter winner. This one's nice. This Since we're on the sex deal. Woman finds man's sex doll. That is what the headline reads. And this is uh, from a Barstool sports article, so it's going to read a little cheeky because the writers for them are a little, uh, they, they're trying to add humor to things. And I actually do enjoy this author quite a bit. His name is Jerry Thornton. He's very good. So I might, you know, gloss over some of the, uh, you know, puns and whatnot. Uh, so British websites have advice columnists that refer to themselves as agony ants, which apart from the alliteration doesn't seem to work because it doesn't describe their job on either end until you read letters like this one. Because while the columnist who was handling this uh, might not be anyone's aunt, she definitely is uh, getting is dealing with like the agony part here. So, OK, let's see what this has to say. I'm happy to report that agony aunt Jane more or less gave this lady the same advice that uh, Jerry's going to give them in this article. And this is to ask where she gets off judging where her boyfriend gets off when she's not around. So you can already kind of see what's going on here. Uh, Listen, uh, so let's see here if he gets into the fucking, does he get into the case or does he just give the, his little two cents? So basically what occurred is this gentleman this woman, I should say, wrote into this agony ant. Maybe I got to look at some agony ant uh, content down the road here. But this woman poked around while her husband was gone and discovered that her husband had a sex doll, a mannequin, very Dahmer-esque. So especially with all the Dahmer content, this could raise a flag or two, you know? And so maybe she wrote in and she was scared. I don't have the original article. Do you it's, have it? It's up on the on the TV there, can or you I re- can read it. Can you read it for us? A worried girlfriend has confessed to an agony aunt that she fears her boyfriend is obsessed with his sex dolls after she stumbled across a secret dungeon. Several weeks ago, her boyfriend was ill. Hold with- up. I'm going to pause you during this. Sure, yeah. Way. So she discovered not only a sex doll, but I think something that's more concerning, a secret dungeon <laughs> in your own home. You're like, I never go through this door. What I, I just go, I'm gonna open it and see what's up. It's like Monica and Friends when she has that closet no one's allowed in. What if that was a sex dungeon? Anyhow, continue. Several weeks ago, her boyfriend was ill with food poisoning and rang his girlfriend begging for dry toast and bottles of fizzy lemonade, she explains. She rushed to his side to make sure he was comfortable, and by 2 p.m. he was asleep. She noticed that his keys were on his bedside table, whereas usually he keeps them on a chain on his jeans. Writing to the Daily Star agony aunt Jane O'Gorman, the anonymous woman detailed how she, quote, slipped out into the hall and let him and let myself into his secret room. She goes on turning the lock. I felt a brief flicker of guilt, but curiosity got the better of me. I was met by six pairs of dead eyes. His dolls were propped up around the room in various stages of undress. I played with her ha- with their hair and stroked them. All were blonde. I'm redheaded and boasted fabulous shapely figures. Please pause. She wrote, I played with their hair. (laughs) I played with their hair. Like, whose sex dolls are these? His or yours, lady? I mean, good golly. I'm redhead. She's jealous of the doll's hair. Fuck me, man. This is already just raising red flags on every accord. He wants fizzy lemonade. What the fuck is that? I guess it's British. So who knows what the fuck you guys drink over there. But, uh... Already sounding like a serial killer to me. Dry toast and fizzy lemonade. I believe 
lemonade in Britain is Sprite. Well, just call it Sprite. I know, I know. Can't uh, abide such idiocy any longer. <laughs> so continue, please. Uh, all were blonde, I'm redheaded, and boasted fabulous shapely figures. I'm a bit flat-chested. <laughs> <laughs> On a king-size bed. <laughs> Not this lady having tit envy for the mannequins. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> On a king-size bed were strewn several sex toys and many tubes of lubrication. I had to steady myself because it was like looking into a nightmarish world of sleaze. I was forced to lock up and leave when a delivery man arrived at the front door. She questioned if he loves them more than he loves her as she told the agony aunt about her boyfriend's room dedicated to his girls. She added that it is, quote, kept permanently locked and he doesn't think I've been inside, but I have. My God. Who just lets their husband have a room? I guess he's like, oh, it's my man cave, babe. You know, and then he goes in there and fucks mannequins and shit. It's like, looks like a scene out of Saw. Oh, my Lord. Well, here's the thing. I would get nervous about him being a murderer. <laughs> but that's about it. But if he's not showing any signs of that and he's just like, yeah, I like to come in these dolls, let him come in the dolls. It's weird that he has six of them. It's like he's getting a collection. Like he's got his own, <laughs> he's got his own, uh, what is it called with a bunch of witches, a coven? Mm-hmm. He's got a sex doll coven. They're all blonde and have big tits. Yeah, guess what guys jerk off to? Even if he was watching porn, they're not going to look like you. You know what I'm saying? Like, guys don't jerk off to girls that look like their wives. You know, I don't have one, but I'd imagine that's the case. You know what I'm saying? I'm surprised they're all so similar. Well, yeah, he's got You'd a little... you think he'd have a variety. He wants the old fantasies, like, I'm, I'm on Baywatch, and there's uh, Pamela. <laughs> he's got all the blonde chicks with big tits. I don't know. Maybe you're right. I don't know. But uh, maybe that's what's got her concern more than anything, is that they all look the same and they're not her you know what else could be concerning her <clears throat> this weekend i actually on tiktok live i saw a mannequin give birth so she could be afraid he might knock these man these uh, dolls up do tell what that entailed <laughs> oh i will gather all the stuff for next week okay there, well it's, that, it's a guy that's... who has a girlfriend but also got his <laughs> mannequin pregnant well hey dudes are getting pregnant these days everyone's getting pregnant you know having periods so I guess a mannequin an inanimate object can get pregnant too why not I'm not closed minded I can't wait to find out what a great way to wrap things up Kirsten with a little bit of a cliffhanger and we're going to need every detail of that story for next week's episode but to wrap up this little story here there's no more details is there in this letter no, it goes on to talk about what the actual advice was from the aunt saying that... Oh, yeah, the agony crossed... aunt was like, don't be up in his his uh, a noose. I don't know how fucking British people talk. I'm going to stop trying. <laughs> but, uh, you know, she probably was like, let him come into whatever he wants to come in. And I'm kind of on the same side as that. But if there are other things that are making you weary of him... And I like I said, this whole Dahmer thing has got people looking at mannequins a little differently and those who collect them. Do you know what I'm saying? So... Uh, that, at the end of the day, could be freaking us all out. And uh, that is my statement on that. Now watch this drive. But we will wrap things up, and uh, I hope you do join us next week. What a wonderful cliffhanger, Kirsten. Thank you. And I look forward to hearing all about how a mannequin gives birth. 
But in the meantime, between then and now, please to be heading over to my Instagram at Josh underscore Potter or my Twitter at J underscore Potter. Follow along with me, please. And while you're there, please to be buying tickets December 22nd and 23rd going to be back home for the holidays buffalo new york helium comedy club make the trek come hang out it's going to be a wild show we're going to do some fun and fuck around get drunk have a great time i'm excited to do those and uh, if you're going to be seeing tom segura in the next few weeks i shall be with him so uh if it's in florida or i forget where else but i'll let you know next week about the other places but if you're going to see him in florida i'll be there during Thanksgiving times and uh, else another times as well. Other than that, please to be subscribing to this very channel on YouTube. If you aren't already, hit the bell, subscribe on iTunes or wherever you happen to listen. Make sure you rate, review, subscribe, all of that. It helps. It goes a long way. You have no idea. And I appreciate those of you who are roaches who did it already. Other than that, uh, we will see you next week right here inside the Roach Motel for the Josh Potter Show.